This is Dr. David Pomeroy, your host on ADHD Focus. I wanted to remind you that the show is not intended to be a recommendation for diagnosis or treatment of any condition for any specific person. Please consult your mental health professional or doctor managing your ADHD or mental health issues about any diagnosis or treatment-related information that you hear on the show. Refer your ADHD provider to the show if he or she would like more information. Thank you. Hello, this is Dr. David Pomeroy, the host of ADHD Focus, and I'm glad you could join me this week as we talk about some different approaches to helping people with ADHD cope with the usual challenges. My guest is Eric Tibbers, who's a licensed clinical social worker and a nationally recognized expert in the field of ADHD. He has a private practice as a psychotherapist and coach, working with children, teens, parents, and adults. Uh, He also has a podcast, ADHD Rewired, which is one of the top-ranked podcasts on ADHD issues. His website is ADHDrewired.com, and he has created an interesting approach uh, using using online group coaching through ADHD Rewired, and it uh, is something we'll be discussing as we go. Eric, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this. So have I. So let me start with just a general question. How do you approach helping your clients with ADHD? Well, I think like all of us, we as as clinicians or providers, we first see where our clients are at. Um, What are the presenting issues that that someone is coming, uh, whether to your office or to the the, the video screen that I might be working with them at? Um, What issues are they having? so one of the most important parts of approaching and uh, working with clients with ADHD is really discovering what they are aware of and if there are a lot of blind spots, really trying to discover what those are. And so uh, focusing on, on self-awareness. Um, so self-awareness around things like time, things like tasks, things like, um, you know, do you, are you still telling yourself you'll remember that thing uh, when you tell that to somebody else? But when you look at the, the evidence, 90% of the time when you say, I'll remember that, you don't remember it. Right. So looking, looking to the facts actually line up with what's act, you know, with what you think is actually happening. So, so that's sort of where I start. And when you're saying discovering what someone's aware of, that's in terms of their own ADHD-related behaviors? Yes, yes. And, and, and even backing up, too, is sometimes I work with people who just got diagnosed with ADHD, and they're like, okay, so I had this thing. Or, you know, the other thing that happens often is I will get a, a client that I start working with who was diagnosed, say, five years ago. Uh-huh. They never did anything with it. And now they're either facing some difficulties at work or going through a life transition or, you know, they just happen to, to sort of connect the struggles that they're having with, oh, this is part of the ADHD. Maybe I should go see if I can get some help with this. Yeah, I certainly find um, many of my uh, patients come in because they're in the life transition stage or 
Uh, now they have a new job, but also a marriage house, kids, etc. where when they started out at a new job at age 24, it was easier to figure out. So it's that switch of life situation, um, moving, new job, those kinds of things that throws everything, throws a wrench in everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, life transitions are a big piece of uh, a big kind of denominator for why people come to, to work with me. Mm-hmm. Do you use any standardized uh, format or, or questionnaires, anything to try to get a sense of what someone's issues are? You know, I the the one tool that I do uh, use pretty consistently uh, with adults, anyways, um, is the Russell Barkley uh, uh, functional impairment scale. Uh, uh-huh. it's, just a, it's a quick uh, quick survey, you know, a Likert type scale. Mm-hmm. Um, it just says where is the person having struggles in in their life. So it's really looking at the functional impairments. So it's things like, you know, job, things like education, home, relationships, uh, sexual health, um, other things like that. And so it, it offers, an, an, offers a nice way to, uh, to know sort of where to start. And then also as a way to, to kind of get a baseline, because then you can go back and do a reassessment later on uh, mm-hmm. and kind of see where, where you're at. Yeah, I like Barclay's approach in terms of looking at function in daily life things instead of the uh, various measures on some of the, say, neuropsychological evaluations where working memory is measured by how many numbers you can remember forward and backward. And I don't know anywhere in life function I've had to do that. (laughs) (laughs) But I still forget the milk going home. Um, and that's, that's really where the issues are. Yes. So it's, uh, yeah. So, you know, and, and more and more, I, you know, I think in our, in our trainings, we're so, we're, we're trained uh, very highly to use these, you know, empirically validated measures. Um, right. Uh, right. And, but I find that the, the stories that my clients share with me, like that's what, like, I, I'm, I, I don't know. It's, it's weird to say, but I'm moving more towards qualitative data because I find that that tends to be more important. Yes, yes, I I agree um, wholeheartedly. My whole emphasis in my whole medicine career has been listening to people and kind of bringing out their story, whether it's um, where they are in life, what's the issue, but then getting at the background of, oh, you have stepchildren now in your situation or your mother just got diagnosed with cancer and you know what other how does that fit into how you feel those kinds of things so really getting to know the person and list giving them a chance to tell their story is uh the most important mm-hmm. the measures are helpful but but they don't really get it at the, the functional issue Right, right. And for me, even just hearing the nuances in, 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 way, in which way somebody actually speaks yep. is also really helpful to me because um, I'll, I'll pick up on really subtle things that there's no, uh, there's no rating scale that could pick up on it. Like even the way that a client maybe uh, pauses or where they may lose their train of thought or, you know, things like that, there's subtle things that I'll notice that will give me information uh, that, that I then find to be very useful. 
Yes. One of the very first um, things I heard in medical school at the kind of opening of school your first year, and there was the lecture about um, medical practice and the history of medicine, those kinds of things. And the speaker quoted a physician, I believe, from the late 1800s who said, diseases tell their secrets in casual parentheses. Mm. And that's exactly the nuances. Someone hesitates a bit. Um, and there's so many times I can think of, you know, something I picked up led me down a path that we figured out what was going on, whereas I might have breezed over it. Or unfortunately, these days, I think when there's 15 minutes of visit, which means patient gets to talk for two minutes, doctor asks questions for six, comes up with a diagnosis, orders some labs, here's a prescription, goodbye. That's not <laughs> the way to practice medicine in my, uh, my estimation. But we're getting a little sidetracked. Um, so tell me some more about the uh, online um, intensive coaching program you have. I think that's a, a really innovative approach to things. Sure. Um, so it's called the ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group. You know, I I launched a, a podcast. It was in March 2014. Um, it was one of those those goals that I personally had for years, and it was on a, a whiteboard that I stared at every day for years. Um, and, you know, and then I, I finally took action, and uh, you know, now it's been over two and a half years, 130 plus episodes, and I haven't missed a week yet, and. The, the idea of this coaching group actually was, um, now, I don't think you, we mentioned yet if it wasn't already clear. I also have ADHD. Um, so the idea came as I was recording one of my podcast episodes, and I sort of just shared the idea out loud. And I was like, oh, here's mm -hmm. an idea that I have. And I just went with it, and I shared it. And, um, and I sort of created this beta kind of pilot version of it. And my first, the first one that I did was actually five days a week, um, which was too intense, at least for me. Um, yeah. and, and so uh, to date, I've had over 100 people sign up for, uh, for this program. Uh, the first couple that I did uh, were uh, 10 to 12 weeks. Um, and then now the third, it's now the third time in a row where I've had three, uh, um, it's the third time in a row where two groups have filled. So we have 12 people per group, 24 people per quarter. And we meet three times a week online using a video-based uh, conference program. It's sort of when you're in front of your computer, it sort of looks like the Brady Bunch with one extra <laughs> row. Um, yes. You know, everyone's in their own square. And, you know, it's so nice. So it's, it's intensive and, and structured enough for, you know, I have a lot of people that are entrepreneurs or going through life transitions um, who, you know, need that structure uh, on a regular basis to really help them with things like planning. You know, in the very beginning on, on Mondays when we meet, I ask people, all right, so ha have you planned your week yet? And usually the first week or two, nobody raises their hand uh, saying right. they plan their week. So because I think it's so important, with ADHD, it's like we know what to do, but we don't always do what we know. So what do we uh -huh. do in those, in those first uh, couple weeks? On that Monday when we're talking about planning, is we'll spend 10 minutes and we'll just plan. We'll start planning our week. And so say, all right, we're going to take about 10 minutes. I'm going to set a timer, all right? And, and, um, and I'll give you guys about a one or two minute warning when you have about 
few minutes left, and we just spend the first 10 minutes planning our week, actually writing that down. And people are amazed at how much they can actually plan out in just a 10-minute period. Yeah. So in the beginning of our group, we focus on kind of planning for the day and the week. And then as the group gets further mm-hmm. along, we're focusing on monthly planning. And then we get into more quarterly planning and, and some of the long-term planning. And, you know, I think when we have ADHD, tell, asking a client, so what, what's your 5, 10, or 15-year yeah. plan? It's like, they're like, I, what? I don't know what I'm doing in five minutes from now. Yeah, right. I, I, next week is a long time, so don't tell right. me 10 years. Right, so because we also know that the uh, kind of the, the emotional part of ADHD is that we don't always activate. It's hard to bring the, the not now into the now. But I think we all have a sense of mortality. When we start to think about our mortality, some, something about that brings light into focus. So usually around week seven or eight, I'll ask everyone in my group, what do you want to do before you die? Which is, you know, sort of a sobering question. Yes. But by that time, what we've already done is we've, I've helped my clients. So one of the things we do throughout the group, every other week, we do something called an adult study hall. Um, and some of your listeners may be familiar with the concept of a body double, where you just have somebody else in a room with you working on stuff uh, that you don't really want to do. Um, stuff that I, what I call is important, uh, which are things that are boring, but important. Uh, Yes. You know, things like filing paperwork, that phone call, even, you know, putting off the email that, that you got to return, you know, things, things like that. But one of the things that I do during this time, during our study hall, is I'll ask people, what task are they going to do? And how long do you think that task is going to take you? And I have them actually write that that Mm -hmm. time prediction down and actually start a timer that's going forward, right? Then at the end of that study hall, what uh, people do, they come back and we're we're all here on Zoom and we check in and say, all right, so how long did that thing take you? And I've had many people during that first time that, that we do this who are in tears because they shared the task, they thought it would take them 10 or 15 minutes, and, you know, and they're sharing the task with me, and I, I know very well that there's no way in hell that's going to take them 10 or 15 minutes, but right. as, a, as a coach, I want to help them discover that, right? And so they come back, and they're like, I spent the last 50 minutes looking for the materials that I need to actually do this task. And this is a story of my entire life. And now I know why I'm so overwhelmed and so behind on things. And, mm-hmm. and it was a big eye opener. And so I look at that idea of time prediction of going through your to-do list, your task list, and, and truly writing minutes down next to each item, how long you think it will take you that timer as soon as you begin and actually record how long that task took you. And yeah. it's, it's one of these things where it's like, yes, we, people with ADHD, we tend to have a horrible sense of time. So we have to come at time from a logical perspective and not an intuitive one, right? Mm-hmm. And I, so I think it, this gets back to uh, your very first thing of, of what are people aware of. And the yes. people are aware of the, I'm overwhelmed, there's not enough hours in the day, and of course, there are plenty of, everybody gets the same number of hours. It's how you choose to right, use right. them or how, like you say, how long do you think it's going to take? So that awareness that it's the time allotted that's the issue of overwhelm often. Yes. Um, that, and that's a great emphasis. 
Yeah. One of the other things we do in the group is uh, we have a, a, it's called a mastermind session where uh, two people uh, per mastermind session will have a chance to, it's called sitting in the hot seat. And this kind of comes from a, it's an entrepreneur business sort of approach comes from the the, uh, book by Napoleon Hill, uh, Think and Grow Rich. And the idea is each person will have three to five minutes to share one specific challenge that they're having and that they want help with. And then for 20 minutes, everybody in the group is going to help get laser focused and help that one person uh, come up with ideas about one specific challenge they're having. And what's so cool about it is that while our context may be different, so someone might be a, a business owner, someone might be planning a move, you know, so the things that people are working on might be different, but the things that we often struggle with is are so common you know decision making uh planning prioritizing there's a uh there's a great quote by stephen covey that i love um that says you know we can do anything but we can't do everything yes and and i think with adhd we have so many interests that pop up um that we want to do everything mm-hmm. more people think well i have to do this because I do it better than this and person and that person. And well, there's no one else who really knows how to arrange the auction for the PTSA. And I'm a really good parent for my kids' baseball team. And pretty soon I, I tell people, well, look at when those things are due and look for the collision. Your daughter's birthday, your son's baseball team dinner and the auction are Thursday, Friday, Saturday of the same week. Do you really think you're going to be able to do that? Um, so that gets into the the planning and out a month or two or three. And and saying no. And I mean, that's, yes. that's one of the big things that I work with a lot of my clients on is the willingness to say no, to either delegate something, to defer something. And, and I ask them, look at all the things that you haven't done that you've been meaning to do. Like, has anything actually blown up? So instead mm-hmm. of not intentionally completing something, how about you intentionally not complete something? You know, sort of look at what are the, the potential outcomes of just saying, you know what, I'm going to not address that because this, this other thing is more important. So we, you know, we look at some of the um, kind of traditional productivity uh, models, um, but then really break it down in a more ADHD-friendly way that, that um, really makes it more digestible. Um, you know, we uh-huh. look at things like the this, the um, the Eisenhower matrix of you know things being important versus urgent. And one of the problems is is that you know people with ADHD they think everything is equally important, so they have a hard time figuring out sort of well what how do I figure that out? What's what's most important? What's right? and urgent may be in your own mind that it's urgent that I finish this, but then you look yeah, but that's not really do until next week there's something i need to do tomorrow but that's not as interesting or whatever mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so that urgent can be the confusion um, right so one of the things that i help my clients do is learn how to create systems and so let's say you're someone who gets a uh, uh and this is what i teach to, to in my groups if you're someone that, that say is a business owner and you get a, a client emails um, say requesting information and you probably get that email or something like it a lot and so many people that I work with what I finally do is they respond to that email crafting this this email response yet they've done this hundreds of times yes 
So looking at how do I, next time you get one of those emails, don't respond directly to that email. Start building a system within the context of a task. Right, so mm-hmm. I, I see a lot of people that try to build systems and then try to make their task fit into it. I look at it the other way around. So you take the task, but then approach it from a systems-based perspective. So it's going to take you a little bit more time uh, to, to respond to each task. But every time you do that, it is going to pay dividends by building these systems. So now when I get new client emails, I hit a couple keystrokes and I have um, uh, software that, that populates some of my responses because um, I've built that system. And so it's about how do we create more time that's through creating systems by saying no more often. And when we say no to good things, it's the reason we're doing that is so we could say yes to, a, to some really great things. And, you know, there's one of the core, core issues I find that, that working with people with ADHD, whether it's in therapy or in coaching, is what I refer to the elephant in the room when we're dealing with mm-hmm. productivity and ADHD, and that's shame. There is so much shame around productivity with people with ADHD. Yes, yes, from our past experiences and getting something done, but we know it's only about 60% of quality that we Mm -hmm. could have done. Someone else may think it's 80%. Well, it's kind of okay. Um, Or other times it's quite obvious that it's only 60%. And we tend to internalize, well, I'm bad. I can't do it. I'm never going to be able to figure this out. Um, And that, yeah, triggers right into that shame. Right. And all the things that that people tell themselves that they, you know, quote unquote, should be able to do. Right. And it's like, well, why? Like, says who you should be able to, to do that? You know, it's there's so many things that we tell ourselves these stories. And I think one of the power, one of the most powerful parts of group coaching is that when we hear each other's stories, we realize that we're not the only one. And the uh, you know I don't know if you are familiar with the work of Brene Brown, but she's yeah she, uh, yeah. So she talks a lot about shame and vulnerability, and she talks about how shame cannot survive it, you know in in secrecy, right? When you share your story with those who've earned the right to hear it, shame cannot survive, and it's met with empathy, right? And mm-hmm. so we a big part of what we do in the group as well is that accountability piece. And so people will be grouped up with accountability partners. I mean, I work with people that, you know, one of my challenges personally is I, I have a real bad case of one more thing-itis. <laughs> as, as I think most people with ADD, I have something on, I have a whiteboard I um, write different sayings on for patients that can see it when they come into the, the room. And one of them is don't fall into, quote, just one more thing, end quote, at 9 p.m. First of all, it won't be just one more. And second of all, your ADD meds aren't there anymore. So that's right. You're going to find at 1 a.m., oh, I better get to bed. And you started 10 things, but you probably haven't done the just one more. And sleep, it is the, uh, there's one thing that oh. impacts people with ADHD and impacts their ADHD is 
sleep. And oh, it's yeah. often, and it's not so much that they're not good sleepers. It's they don't get, they can't shut the brain off. So they're always doing one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. And then as you said, it's one in the morning. And if there's mm-hmm. one thing that I know for myself and I've seen for so many of my clients, our ability to plan more than five minutes ahead is so dependent on how good of sleep we got the night before, yes. the nights before. Yes, it's amazing. I, I tell my patients all the time that sleep is foundational. If you don't get good sleep, you can take all the ADHD medicine you want. Mm-hmm. You'll be awake, but you won't be thinking clearly. Right. And when right. someone says, well, I have trouble sleeping, first thing I ask is, do you have trouble getting to sleep or trouble getting to bed? At least 70% of the time, well, it's trouble getting to bed. Mm-hmm. And that's just that one more thing. And one interesting thing I found, and I picked this up from someone else in, in uh, the ADHD clinical world, was that if someone says, I can't get to sleep because my mind is just zooming all over the place, I'll ask them, well, in the morning when you take your ADHD med, what does that help with in your mind? Oh, it's I'm much more clear. My mind's at peace. I can think of two or three things, get them done. And I'll say, okay, I want you to take about five milligrams of a short-acting tablet for your ADD med an hour before you go to sleep, mm-hmm. you go to bed. And most of them say, got right to sleep, no problem, because the medicine did at night, same thing it does in the morning, clears out all that noise. Now let me ask you, uh, let me ask you this, because I, I, I have heard of that approach, but one of the things I've always wondered about is, does it have impact our ability to get into REM sleep? That's a good question. I, I don't know that, uh, that there are any studies on that. That reminds me, I ought to check that out with um, having people maybe use one of the apps on their phone, at least informally, see what that does. I do mm-hmm. know a number of people say, you know, I'm much more rested in the morning. I can work more productively because I've gotten sleep. I'm not looking for naps all the time. So I think it probably does, but I don't know. That is, I, I don't think it interferes with REM sleep, but I don't okay. know the exact answer. That's a good question. Yeah, I've always been curious about about that myself. I've, I've never done that, and I, and I do take medication. Um, but those those apps that you mentioned, I use an app called uh, Sleep Cycle, and mm-hmm. it's it's incredible. One of the the things that it it truly has turned me into a functional human being in the morning, because uh-huh. it, it what it does is it wakes you up during your lightest phase of sleep yes. around yes. the time you get up. And I got to tell you, that has made a huge impact in my life. Yes, I th- and that's one of those uh, kinds of things that we aren't aware of. You wouldn't know it if you didn't have something tracking your sleep patterns for one, but also just that that technology really is there to sense that you're in a lighter stage of sleep. This would be a good time to wake up because I think everyone's had the experience of waking up and it you're just so foggy and things just mm-hmm. don't add up and it turns out you woke up in stage four REM sleep 
Um, right. And that's hard to come out. It can pass you for three to four hours before you're born. Oh, yes. You know? yes. And then it's like eight o'clock or nine o'clock at night. And now your brain decides to kick into it to full gear and you're ready to go. <laughs> yes. One, um, I want to get down to a kind of very specific thing in, in terms of how your group might approach um, the, the paper mess. And most, mm. I think, of us with ADHD, and full disclosure, I also have ADHD, uh, have piles of paper. Sometimes not even piles, it's just this mush on the desk. And it's one thing to say, okay, here's a system and how mm -hmm. you can file it or put things together. How do you approach the beginning part of that is of getting rid of the mess? So a big part of it is accountability. So as I mentioned, we do our, uh, our adult study halls. Um, mm -hmm. And so we have a structured one every other week. Um, but what I also do is I encourage members of our group and uh, in the last two groups have been great about this, to think about adult study hall not just as a, a, uh, an hour that I lead, but as something that they can also use as a tool or a strategy. And so what they'll do, we use a, a, we have a secret Facebook group and um, they'll, people from the group will post, or I'm, I have a bunch of stuff I've got to go through who wants to do some decluttering at two o'clock today and they'll post it and so they'll meet on video and they will get those things done. Um, sometimes it's, it's uh, sharing that with your accountability partner and then mm -hmm. uh, sharing, I'm, I'm a big fan of before and after pictures. Um, you know, so it's like, it's putting your stuff out there. So here, here's my big mess. And I want to, I want to send you a picture by, uh, you know, in two hours showing you that this mess is gone. Uh, and if you don't hear from me, would you mind following up with me to see if I fell down a rabbit hole? Right. And, I, and I'd be happy if a quarter of the mess is <laughs> gone and maybe the mush is now at least in papers that may have been sorted out, this is bills, this is bank stuff, this is tax stuff, whatever. And then also at the uh, after showing the after picture say, and I'm gonna get back to you tomorrow at eight o'clock and show you the next picture and tell you what I've done. If you don't hear from me, give me a call. Uh, and I think that accountability um, partnership works well. I, I really like the idea of the online meeting between partners on accountability that's mm -hmm. outside of your, your group context. And I think that's, that's the power of the group being able to share those kinds of things. Um, yeah, and and one of the things that we are we're now actually adding in, in uh, for my my uh, fall uh, coaching group is so each, each uh, the members of the group will each be paired um, with an accountability partner and we're going to be rotating them every couple of weeks, but there's also going to be accountability within the accountability partner system. So um, I have a someone that I work with who was actually a graduate of my uh, one of my programs, um, who I happen to actually meet at a Brene Brown event, um, and has been working for me for the past year. And one of the things that we're going to be doing uh, in, in this particular program is having her track all the uh, all the kind of communication between accountability partners uh -huh. to, in order to not let accountability partners slide. Um, you know, because one person doesn't respond and the other person doesn't respond and then that increases the shame because they're both thinking about the fact that they haven't responded, but yet they haven't responded. Right, right. So, right. so, <laughs> so in that cycle. 
Right. And, and so I, 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 uh, I was talking to somebody who, who signed up for uh, my fall coaching group. Um, I kind of came up with the phrase and I was like, I'm not sure if that was the best thing to say, but what, what I said was, it's kind of like we have a very short, but supportive leashes for each other. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> well, Eric, we've uh, done it again and managed to, uh, fill up a good show, um, with many, tips, um, but it's time to uh, cut this one off, and I'm sure we'll get together on a, another show. Folks, my guest today has been Eric Tivers, who is a nationally recognized expert in the field of ADHD productivity, and as you've heard, uh, his unique approach of in intensive online coaching and accountability groups is quite uh, a new innovation in the coping with ADHD things. His website is ADHDrewired.com and his podcast is also ADHD Rewired. Eric, thank you so much for being on the program. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. David, thank you so much. I appreciate it. This is your host, Dr. David Pomeroy on ADHD Focus, wishing you the best until next time.